Have you earned your title as a CEO? We got to sit down with Earl Valencia to talk about what it really takes to be a chief. He also tells us a story on how Idea Space and Geeks on a Beach started. This is Tech Shake Radio. Startup stories from founders, investors, and influencers. All right, so we're joined by Earl Valencia, former president of Idea Space and now program manager of corporate data and analytics at Bridgewater Associates and startup rock star. So how are you doing, Earl? Yeah, no, I'm, I guess it's just an informal kind of conversation, <laughs> yeah, right? So, um, yeah, I think I'm doing quite well. So, I mean, I've, I, I, you know, I left the Philippines after starting Idea Space like last November. So this is kind of my, you know, nine, ten months back again to the startup ecosystem. Which wanted to see how how things are and you know what are li- literally like my reflections, like literally building some of these you know Idea Space and the startup mm. ecosystem, you know, for three, four years, right? So. And then now I'm like in a totally different place, yes. but uh, you know. But I realized like there was actually some parts that I really needed to learn, right? Maybe I couldn't learn maybe here in the Philippines. So I'm glad that I can kind of straddle both worlds now yeah. and come to Goab without literally any agenda. I'm just here hanging out, right? So it's pretty relaxed. Actually. Let's backtrack a bit though. Why did you start Goab? Like why geeks on a beach? Why did why did you think that was actually like yeah, a good so mix? Yeah, kind so of, it, it, it's actually a. Really, a really funny story, right? Yeah. And um, um, and and I get just take credit okay. for for just go up, right? Because yeah. you know it was Tina, Tina who really like mm. took it forward out of like our meeting. Um, uh, Jim, my son, who unfortunately passed away, I will do a tribute tomorrow. Um, Paul Paho, heads our developer network, and then uh, Mitchy, who is a developer, and we were just having lunch in Greenbelt one of these times, mm. and. We found out that um, the gigs on the plane skipped the Philippines. They they preferred to go to Myanmar than the oh. Philippines. So out of spite and basically like <laughs> you know we were like a kind of pseudo depressed state. We're like, why is it that we're ignored? Yes. So we said, hey, you know what? Like, we just why don't we create something so people come here? And then you know um, Jim said, oh, why don't we make like a Burning Man style conference? Mm, and then cool. I was thinking and and and. And I, I, I gave this idea, like, you know what, I had a friend who is a VC from San Francisco that literally skipped Manila and went straight to Boracay and spent literally like one whole week in Boracay mm. and came back again yeah. to San Francisco. Because I, I messaged him, he's like, hey, why did you Manila? Let's, if you're in the Philippines, let's go hang on Manila. And he's like, I'm not going to go to Manila. So the insight happened where we're just like, yeah, you know what, like, why don't we just have geeks? People would want to go to the Philippines because of the beaches. At the time, I think Boracay or Palawan was number one mm. island in the world. I think until now it is. So we said people will probably come here if it's on the beach. <laughs> so that was like a funny lunch, right? True. And then um, fast forward a couple of months, Tina messaged me and said, "Her like, you know that conversation we had? Like, are we serious about this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like that would be really cool to see what happens. And like, if we do it, like, can you sponsor it?" And, you know, I was like. You know, head of innovation smart and, and head of yeah. idea space. So I said, if you're going to do it, I'm going to be your first sponsor. So I was like kind of the investor of the conference. And lo and behold, like, I think the first time, I think 300 people came. Mm-hmm. And we didn't wow, expect. We're like, who would go? And then half or close to half are not from the Philippines. Oh, wow. 
even the, even the Filipinos were skeptical because it was not a yeah. cheap conference. It's mm. quite an expensive one. So if people are used to free and all these things, Argentina's like, no, we can't do it free because we're doing it in a world-class resort in Boracay. So, it, you know, and then, but a lot of people came, a lot from the outside. Uh, and then, you know, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. But really, it was supposed to be like a, an invitation um, to the Philippines, to the world, right? Wow. To come to the Philippines. Because why would someone go to Manila Hangout? Mm. Right? To just to test the waters and to see how the Philippines is, right? Like, but here, at least you can, you know, have good conversation at a minimum. You'll just enjoy yourself in, like, the, you know, the shores of our beaches. It's awesome, right? Right? I mean, so that was the, that's why we, we started this kind of Geeks in the Beach. And like every single concept, it always happens like, you know, among friends on a table, either with alcohol or whatever, right? Yeah. That's kind of what happened, right? Thanks for the like, small history class on Goab. But let's go talk about Earl Valencia. Maybe we can start sure. from your humble beginnings, maybe not so humble. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, where, where did you start? Yeah, so um, it was quite cool. Actually, it's the first time someone asked me about like my yeah. own pre cool. pre idea space story. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, I was born in LA, but then I grew up in Manila most of my life. Like I was just you know I was just born there, and then six months my parents moved back here. Um, and um, I was raised first four or five years in Davao. So my parents had like uh, a large family business, Davao, like our main family business is like, you know, would you believe it? It's like a real estate company, but the money maker is a premium real estate company, AKA like a memorial park. Mm. So apparently like you can square, you can, you, you can sell almost double or triple the, the land area of square meterage. So my grandfather like had a brilliant idea. Um, and yeah, and then we have a bunch of you know real estate stuff, like yeah. family business stuff, um, buildings and strip malls and stuff, um, you know. And and I guess you know at that that point, you know, actually the cool thing is that my grandfather actually was an entrepreneur. He started as a janitor in UP, wow. ended up yeah. becoming like the department of um, minister of uh, the, the the department head, like the minister cabinet member wow. in the Macabagal area for like. Um, Transportation, right? DOT, DOTC, basically, right? Um, you know, um, but unfortunately, like when I was born, he died, so that, that sucked, right? So I didn't get any mentoring from him, but with some stories. So around five or six years old, um, moved to Manila, um, and I had a pretty, pretty actually posh, like posh lifestyle, right? I mean, you know, although we're you know super like hardworking family, like. You know, I didn't even know what the implications was. Like, my parents luckily bought like a m nice piece of land in um, what was what is now Ayala Alabang, but at the time, like, it's uh, some mango plantation, right? So my parents couldn't afford um, a house in like BF, which is like close to Alabang. So Alabang was on sale, and they bought like an empty land there. And it just so happened that we were lucky that we found a good uh, a good place to go. So I grew up in Alabang. I went to like. Um, uh, right across my house is a school called De La Salzabel, so I'm a Lasallian, oh. right, um, by, by nature. So grade one, grade, actually funny for yeah. even people who are, I don't know, the female listeners that are from the Philippines. My prep was in Assumption San Lorenzo. Uh. So, I don't know, that was kind of funny tidbit about myself. So okay. I'm an Assumptionista. <laughs> to. 
right? Oh, so you are uh, in yeah. Eastern, I really right? have a diploma. I have a diploma, yeah. prep diploma from Assumption. <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. And then from grade one to fourth year high school, like I was, um, yeah, I was in, you know, I was in, in La Salle. And then I, you know, I, I went to UP for about two years, um, engineering, and I was always torn, right? Because I was good at math and science, but I knew I kind of wanted to business someday. So I had that, that kind of thing. Um, so I just asked my friend, like, you know, what's the hardest course to get into UP? If I'm good at math and science, and it was like electronics at the time, ECE, right? So they only get like the 98th or 99th percentile in the UPCAT. So you have to be the top one or two percent wow. in math and science to get into that course. So, and I sucked in English, and I got the UPCAT results. I sucked in everything except for math and science. Okay. So I was lucky, I think I was like 99 in math and 98 in science or wow, reverse. Okay. Something yeah, that's high. Um, but I didn't do well in the rest, right? So. Whatever. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then about two, two years after, I moved to the U.S. already. So I finished my undergrad in the U.S. I went to BU for undergrad. Um, I went to Cornell for grad school. Um, and I ended up going to business school in Stanford. But before Stanford, I was in the aerospace industry. So I was an aerospace engineer, technically. So what I was, does an aerospace engineer do? Uh, yeah, that's a cool, good thing. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's... Um, so in the U.S., maybe not here in like the Philippines or Asia, like there's a huge industry, like the aerospace industry. So they make like stuff that you know you see in Mission Impossible, like unmanned aerial vehicles oh, cool. or um, you know missile defense UAVs. stuff, yeah, radar systems, navy ships. So I was all part of these teams. So my first job out of college was like modeling simulation of like missile defense. Wow. Um, satellites and missiles that's, and all this stuff really so cool, yeah it was kind of fun it was like playing <laughs> games every day but it's real um, yeah uh, and then i worked in a navy ship like wow. the communications of a navy ship a uh, new destroyer and then i worked in a factory that uh, built the unmanned aerial vehicles mm -hmm. and then um and then my last job was uh, kind of an r d of like a uh, you know um Actually, I can't say, but a classified oh, group, classified. right? A classified wow. group, um, and then I got admitted to Stanford Business School. Um, I didn't really want to go to. I put, I don't apply to one school, and I got in. Unbelievable, mm. right? And um, you know, and then I realized when I was in Stanford that, you know, you could be the best engineer, but you're not the best in everything, right? So um, I got classmates who were investing since they were like 11 or 12. Yes. I got a classmate who was the number one student in Mexico City and he had like a business with like a number of buildings already at age 21. Um, I had classmates who were just like unbelievable, right? So your humility index goes very, very high, <laughs> right? Because I thought I was like the guy, right? I was like, I'm like a freaking cool engineer at 24 years old, right? That's wrong, right? So um, Stanford, the best lesson was humility. It's not even like whatever business school lessons, right? The humility to say, like, I don't know, I need to ask people for help, yes. right? And smart people for help. Um, so in between first and second year, I did um, a stint uh, in the Cisco Innovation Team, and then the other one was in a venture capital fund here in the Philippines, which is the first time I actually worked in the Philippines, and I realized, like, wow, you know, there's some potential here. Uh, and then um, I ended up going back to Cisco in the headquarters. They, I ran, like, uh, it's called the iPrice, which is the kind of the global innovation prize of Cisco, like 100 countries, like 100 country prize basically, 
right? Uh, and then I got um, introduced uh, to, um, well, who hired me, um, uh, Manny Pangilinan, who's like, really, and like MVP in the Philippines is known for, but yeah, he just, we just had like a, a very funny conversation and of like what I want to do with my life and why am I here? And I just basically said, you know, I want at some point in my life to create like a startup incubator or a startup fund for the Philippines because nobody is addressing yes. that stage. And he literally just looked at me. He's like, when do you want to come back home? I was like, I'm not going to come back until I'm 60. He's like, why wait, till, why wait till you're 60 until you want to achieve what you want to do? If I promise that I'll fund you, would you come back? And I thought he was joking, but he was. <laughs> yeah, apparently he wasn't. So before I moved to the States, it's like, here's a standing offer from Smart to be head of innovation of Smart. Tell us when you're ready to come back. And it um, took me six months to decide. I was talking to my wife. You know, I mean, she was like, I don't know, two months pregnant. I came back and then I have like a one-year-old baby at the time. And my wife is like, are you kidding me? Like, what the hell, right? Like, you just came home to like some wedding of your best friend. And all of a sudden, you're telling me we're going to go back to the Philippines? What? Like, so she freaked out. But I took her six months to convince her to come back home. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, lo and behold, we came back here, and um, you know, you know, we, we just like talked to everybody about building this big vision, right? Which is how to create, you know, science, technology, innovation-based economy. And um, me and my co-founder, I knew we could do it with maybe like five million dollars. My co-founder Martin was more aggressive, and he's like, you know, let's ask for more. And I was like, okay, so I'll talk about the. We did a pitch to MVP, and then. Like any other startup entrepreneur, we pitched to him, we gave the statistics, I did the financial model, and yes. then in the end, like, how much do you need? I was supposed to say $5 billion, but before that, my partner said, we need a billion Philippine pesos. And I was like, I didn't say that. Like, so, um, and then MVP laughed and said, okay, you seem to be good guys, your heart's in the right place, like, I'll give you half of what you asked. Wow. And that's, that's the crazy. seed funding of Ideaspace, right? So we got like a seed funding awesome. of about... I know. Um, at the time, it was at $12 million, right? Yes, so now yeah. it's like half, half a billion. So, um, yeah, and then fast forward to today, um, Ideaspace has like, what, 48 companies. Yeah. Um, we do events a year. We get about um, five or 600 to 1,000 teams applying each year mm -hmm. for incubator. Um, we do like an event every week. So we get about 100,000 people, maybe now, maybe hundreds of thousands of people to attend our events per year. Um, yeah, and that's it. And then, you know, like nine months ago, like I got this opportunity to work um, in, a, in a hedge fund in New York and uh, MVP actually told me to leave, right? I mean, in a, I mean, I asked him, what should I do? And he told me, like, you know, you should go back there, learn and come back again. Yes. And uh, it's a relearn cycle. So that's what I realized also as a kind of a, you know, if you really want to think about entrepreneurship, you need to know, like, when is it time to learn again, right? Because you can't be a teacher all the time, no. right? So you got to be a student, then a teacher, then a student, then a teacher, right? So, so that's, anyway, it's, it's a long-winded answer to a short question. Long-winded, but very interesting. Yeah. And I'm surprised nobody ever asked you about your actual history. Though. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of funny, yeah. People always ask me about, you know, about already the present, or at a minimum, like the founding of a company or whatever, right? But no one asked, like, what's the, what's the start, right? So, 
So, actually, I was reading through one of your articles, okay. and I read, you, you said something about how you need to actually earn the title of being a CEO. Oh yeah, that's my recent post, yeah. Yeah, the very recent one, actually, which kind of was actually very interesting. Um, can you talk more about that? Like, I think that's very, that's very important for also the, reader, the, the listeners to hear. Yeah, so um, there's kind of a weird startup fad now, yeah. which is like everyone calls them chief, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was also in that hype, by the way, right? So, you know, I, I got hired. I was, I mean, I'm still relatively young, but, you know, I, I, I was here in the Philippines at 28 to 29. And, you know, and, and since I got this kind of cool, like, idea space job, which is technically like the kindergarten of First Pacific, which is a major conglomerate, like, you know, yeah. $45 billion kind of you know, valuation conglomerate. I told MVP, since I'm doing like startup innovation and like encouraging, you know, everyone to do innovation in First Pacific, like why can't you give me the chief innovation officer title? Mm. You don't need to increase my salary. Just, I just wanted to sound cool. Yeah, sound cool. Right? <laughs> or I said at a minimum, call me CEO of Ideaspace. And he just looked at me and said like, you know, you got to earn to be called a C-level person. And I was like, wow, that's weird, right? Um, but he's like, yo, earn it, right? Earn it, don't get it, right? Basically was his message. And um, I really reflected on it, and at the time, I was like kind of pissed off, right? Like, yeah, of course, like, you can give titles, that's the least you could do. Yeah. But then, no, right? I mean, it really, with title comes responsibility, but then before they give responsibility, and not just like in a corporate setting, but even to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, earn it, right? Earn the right to be called a certain title, right? Um, so it's fine or whatever. I was president and founder, which is okay. It's probably nice, actually, right? And then there's just all, all these other areas, too, of like just being CEO, right? Like the difficulties of just being CEO. You got a board to, re- to do. You have to think about your employees, Right? Even if you're your founders, like if you, you are in charge, right? Everything mm. ends with you. The P, the profit, and the loss ends with you. Yeah. Right? You got to make the decisions every day. You got to make all these things. You, you got to think about like where the future is, but also take care of the present. Yes. Right? That's what a CEO is. It's not a title. It's actually an obligation. Obligation. Right? Um, so that's what I learned actually in, you know, in the past couple of years. And then you make the tough calls. Right, and that's something too that I also learned. Like it's like I made tons of tough calls that either my board didn't agree with, yeah. my team didn't agree with, but it's just like conviction, right? And you're like, I believe that this is our vision, this is our mission, this is where we should go, based on who we are and what we stand for. I may be wrong, but I'm gonna make this call, right? And people will be pissed off, right? But sometimes you have to do that. But that's yeah. what a CEO does, right? Um, so, I mean, fortunately, that's, that's, that was like kind of reflected <laughs> it. Because one of the founders, so now it's like I take our fourth batch in idea space. And yeah. one guy asked me, like, you know, what's, what's your learning? Yeah. Right? And I just kind of, I don't know why, no. I just like literally gravitated towards this one answer, right? Like with these, these types of questions of being a founder. Because they were saying like, yeah, what, what does it mean to be a founder of idea space? talking to us as founders of our own companies. And then I realized like, oh shoot, actually, you know, you can call yourself founder, but the founder doesn't mean like it's a cool title. It's actually a big obligation to to be a founder. Mm. Again, 
you know, if you're a chief technology officer, right, you got to be the best person in technology, not just in your company, but in your field, right? If you don't know the answer, figure out the answers, right? I sent that to my blog, but I realized like so many people think because they're CEO or they're chief, whatever, like they have to have the answers. And you do not. You just have to know how to find them. And that's what made great, great, great founders, great C-level guys. So, but that's, that's kind of the summary of like the thoughts I had. Because, you know, I mean, I think I think it's that time to reflect, right? Like 10, nine or 10 months after, like what are the stuff that I wish I knew? And maybe stuff I won't repeat again. Right? Yeah. It's a good thing. Like I'm a CEO, but the C actually stands for just cool. So I'm not. Yeah, it, could be, it could be cool. Yeah, I mean, it could be cool. Right. Uh, okay, I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, you mentioned something um, about making difficult decisions and like making that decision that's not very popular within the company. Can Can you give us an example of like yeah, one such yeah. decision? Yeah, yeah, and I I wrote it publicly, right? So it's fine. So even kind of for idea space, I remember. Um, so. There's this conference uh, called Slingshot, all right? So it's like Slingshot, but it's like um, partner with the Department of Trade and it was like an APEC level conference. So um, I don't know if you guys went to the first Slingshot, but, um, you know, but literally like the government eight weeks before the date came to like the different part, people in the startup community said, hey, like, you know, we oh, we have only this window, this date that we can do this slingshot. Mm -hmm. We need your help. And um, I thought, you know, I, I said yes, because I'm just a yes. I mean, I, I believe in this. And if, if I believe in it, I say yes. Um, but nobody seemed to say yes, right? Um, other private sector people said no, actually. So even my team is like, nobody's touching this. What are we doing? And I said, I'm even going to commit resources to make this real, right? And I remember vividly, um, right, in, in, in one of our meetings, internal meetings, you know, my team, majority of my team said, what are we doing? Like, the, what is the benefit to idea space? And I said, guys, I don't know, but I know this is the right thing to do for the country, right? So obviously some people are like, what? <laughs> like, that's not a good answer, right? Because, you know, you're a corporation to benefit you as a corporation, but I said, like, we have to hire, mm. you know? I know this is not, maybe we won't even get a single part of recognition, mm. but I know this is gonna be good for the country, yeah. right? And that's why, why do we exist as idea space? Because we were built to make a culture of science technology. So, you know, lo and behold, we had a dedicated team. The DTI guys were like working off idea space for eight weeks. Once a week, they were hanging out in our office. Yeah. I called all my friends and I was lucky that, you know, my classmate from Stanford created Startup Chile. Yeah. And then um, one of my professors, uh, Richard Dasher, um, you know, I gave a talk in Stanford like a couple months before. So he knew who I was at least again. And uh, he said yes to my invitation. So that's the only thing. Because Slingshot was created, yes. the Department of Trade says, wow, this is real. Mm. The APEC guy said, wow, this is cool, 
right? The Department of Science and Technology said, wow, you know, we should support innovators and scientists. Because now, you know, it was a big, huge government-funded event. The first one of its kind in the country that a government actually spent for an innovation event at a large scale. It's crazy, yeah. Right? But it took conviction. Because, remember, I mean, just imagine, like, the guy saying, like, we don't have speakers. For a conference, we're going to have in eight weeks. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm going to help you figure it out. Right? Because I'm doing it for my country. But nobody touched it. Even people inside my own organization thought it was a bad idea. Right? But I said, we have to do it. So these are the types of weird, un and then, and, you know, weird unpopular decisions that you have to make, but you just have to have conviction. And that's why I even mentioned in one of my posts where always go back to the mission of your organization. There's no point building an organization if you're not funded or grounded on a mission. Or else you're going to fight all the time. So you say like, hey guys, like, this is why we exist. I'm going to make a tough decision because of the why, not because of the what. Like, what is it versus like, why are we doing it? That should trump any decision. So, um, so those are the types of things that I was kind of reflecting on. And I think it was true, right? It was really difficult. It was really like a tense moment in my own personal evolution because I was, I mean, yeah, I mean, I put in literally my own personal reputation yes. on the line, right? I called people, right? My own personal network. Right? To please come to the Philippines for this. I mean, the good thing is that the government literally like took care of it, yeah. right? Like it was so nice. Like we had like, you know, VIP treatment of all these guys and like they really found it also a good event. But, yes. but it took like, you know, I had to like tell Nico Shea, please come it for me. Right? And then uh, literally he told me, Earl, I flew 36 hours, not for the Philippines, but for you. <laughs> Cue dramatic music. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but this is the thing. Yeah, right? yeah, so this yeah, is yeah, also another thing. thing of like, startup founders should remember. And um, maybe that's my, this is my next kind of post, right? Where people always ask me about, Earl, like, how do you know so many people? Mm. Right? Like, why, for some odd reason, like, people like hanging out with you, right? Again, I'm not bragging anything, but you know, people are just telling me that. And you know, I said because I just form friendships. I don't form networks, right? Like I just want to hang out with you guys, right? Like well, you know, but you you always have to think like you know what? Don't be friends with someone because you can get something out of him or her. Maybe in the future you can ask a favor, but you gotta earn that favor, right? So you know. Nico and I had some like cool classes together in Stanford and we really went through some hard times and we kept in touch all the time, right? So when I had to say, please do it, some guy who was like is some high stature guy in his country, right? Flew 36 hours to come here as a personal favor. That is the power of real networking, right? Not some random like going out and hanging out, right? Like, no. I mean, you, you hang out with somebody because you want to hang out with the person, not their position, right? So that's, that's another thing. So maybe, maybe it's a part of like the previous question, which is like, how to be a real CEO? You should think that way, right? Because real CEOs have friends.
they can ask questions to that they trust and they trust them, right? So that's another thing. That's really awesome. We really enjoyed Slingshot, by the way, when you went. Oh, good. The first yeah. one, like you really enjoyed it. I, I was blown away even with it, but because we it pulled it off. We pulled it well, off, man. Just eight weeks. That's eight weeks. That's even more crazy. That yeah. blew my mind. Like eight weeks, man. That's crazy. Yeah. But I really want to actually, I actually want to end that note because that's like a really strong note. And I think like the music, it's like we're in the Oscars and they're like singing us out already. <laughs> but um, how can people like um, follow you? Like where can they follow you? Like if you're going to actually like create more blogs? Yeah, I mean, I'm just doing this random blog yeah. just like I think about reflection. So I, I'm like doing some stuff mm -hmm. now like Innovation Philippines, okay. WordPress.com. Okay. So innovationphilippines.wordpress.com. Yes. Um, obviously, in my LinkedIn, like I repost that also in my oh. LinkedIn account. Um, you know, my Twitter is like Earl Valencia. My Facebook too is that. So, uh, like, um, so just everybody just like look at it because I'm, you know, I just wanna like know how people are and you know, I'm just generally a nice, you know, I, I you know I just like to like, you know, know more about people. So, um, and I'm just like. You know, happy if people actually find some value in it, right? So, um, yeah. So, like, even for my, my, you know, the new one that I talked about, like, a lot of people just came up to me even today and said, you know what? Like, I needed that post. I needed to read that because a lot of people are struggling, right, of being a founder, right? And nobody's, everybody talks about the sexy part of it, right? But it is hard and difficult and like, you know, maybe you don't cry, but inside you're crying, right? And some, maybe some of your team members are crying and shouting at each other and stuff. It's very difficult, right? So um, yeah, I'm just trying to like part of it. And then maybe at some point, like three, four years from now, I start again, either my fund or my startup. At least I can go back and say, what would I not repeat again? Right, that's really why as well. Okay, so we learned a lot, like I learned a lot from reading your blog and we learned a lot like just from listening to you and this interview. So I just really want to give you a big thank you. Maybe you have any final shout outs if you want to? No, I'm not really shout outs, <laughs> okay. but then um, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess I can just say thanks to my wife all the time because she just always like, you know, I, I, I told her when we, when we got engaged, Right, so I told her, don't say yes unless you want to live a crazy life. <laughs> right, because like I'm gonna do crazy things in my life, and I hope that you say yes to that. And she said yes, and until now she's consistently like always supporting my crazy ideas. Right, and um, I think Warren Buffett, um, he's someone asked him like, what's the most important lesson you can give people? And he said, the most important decision in your life is who you end up with. Mm. So as much as like, you know, I guess funny, it's kind of cheesy music, but that's true, <laughs> right? So um, <laughs> for especially for founders, like, you know, make sure you are transparent, right, with the person you're going to be with because it could turn to disaster and that will just affect you. So, I mean, that's the good thing. So... Startup advice and love advice. I know. Oh, that's crazy. I know. We're in the beach with like love music here, so what can I do, right? So thank you so much. Thanks Ariel. so thank much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. And I think that's a wrap. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ariel. Thank you.
So thanks again to Earl Valencia for doing the podcast with us. And sorry for the music at the end. I think it added quite a dramatic tone, but it wasn't really planned at all. And of course, for sound production, J.R. Guelias, thank you so much. You can find him at jrguelias.com. Thank you for listening to Tech Shake Radio.